Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Hi. Boy, this is really... I wanted to get a little closer to you, but boy, it still feels far away. Would you guys mind coming? <laughs> Not everybody can do that, Karen. They're not as agile as you are. If I stand over here, is there going to be feeding back, guys? Is, is it going to feed back some? I guess not. Okay. Yeah, I think it come. I, I just feel so far away when I'm up there. So, thank you, Karen. You're wonderful. This is called gorilla seat climbing. Yeah, thank you guys for coming closer. <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah, this is, this is better. Um, uh, you know, um, one of the things that I wanted to do, I, I realized in a retreat setting, it's much better to be closer together so we can be together. Um, so thank you for doing that. Do you guys have a good afternoon? Um, did you guys rest, or did you work and play and run around, or combination of things? Yeah. See Pastor Dave kind of limping. <laughs> I said, Dave, you okay? He goes, yeah, I'm fine. It's, it's an enthusiasm basketball. It's delightful. <laughs> Tonight we're going to do, um, as Dave mentioned, and I, I'm glad he mentioned it, um, you know, one of my concerns is that we come together for a great experience on the weekend, and then we go home tomorrow, and it's same old, same old. And so tonight we're going to do a kind of a variety of things, some exercises. I'm going to give you some stuff to do, but I'm also going to just give us some space where we can continue together to listen to God's voice. Um, I want to start tonight, though... <clears throat> Um, with um, reflecting a bit on the psalm. Psalm 46, verse 10, a verse that probably all of us are very familiar with. And I want to offer some reflections on these uh, verses. The psalmist begins, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And we all have moments of trouble. And we will have moments of trouble. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we begin, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. And I've talked to, spoken to several of you, and several of us are experiencing trouble, aren't we? God is an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. 
Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the mountains could fall into the sea and kingdoms could fall. But God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields of fire. He says, and I want us to camp on these verses for a few moments, be still and know that I am God. So I'd like us to close our eyes for a moment and hear that again. Be still and know that I am God. Those first two uh, words, be still, could also be translated, let go and know that I am God. Another translation, stop striving and know that I am God. One last one. Relax and know that I am God. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read those ver- that verse, but progressively, one by one, I'm going to take away one word from the end. And I'd like you to dwell on what meaning God might bring as a result. Be still and know that I am. Let go. And know that I be still and know that.
stop striving and know. Be still and be still. Father, you speak sometimes with one word, sometimes in silence. Help us to hear your voice of love. This night, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Take a moment, just turn to your neighbor and tell each other what that was like. There were any things in that experience as we took one word at a time, ways that God spoke to you. Just go ahead and do that for one or two minutes.
So let me hear from you. Just what was that like? Just a few comments. Is there any particular word that seemed to be impressed on you as we kind of took one of uh, each one away? Others? I want to encourage you to take that and take it home with you and use that as a practice. Um, because there's the two parts of be still and then know that I am God. So we quiet long enough, but then we pay attention to what God, who God is, His power, His love, as we've been emphasizing all these last 24 hours. Um, being still sometimes is difficult when there's um, chaos around you. And uh, being still and knowing that He is God Sometimes um, we are to do that in all of life's circumstances. This last uh, year has been really a, a difficult cer- a set of circumstances for us. As I've mentioned to some of you, my wife Sue, her dad, um, last May 3rd, was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer. And um, uh, it was stage four. And... Um, when anybody's experiencing lung cancer, there's a, a genetic test that um, is done to determine what kind of uh, lung cancer it is. There's uh, small cell lung cancer, I think it is, and that's more rare and that's incurable. This is what Dad had. But um, a friend of ours with Arrow, in fact, Brenda Pugh, who um, was a founder of Arrow in, in uh, Canada, was also diagnosed in January with um, lung cancer. The good news is that her kind of lung cancer is different in that um, there's a, the prognosis is a longer life and she can actually take the chemotherapy orally by pills. Um, so um, we had dad die September 25th and then mom died um, November 11th, Veterans Day. We think from a broken heart because they're married 59 years. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we are grateful for, when we were called to go out to Minnesota, we wanted to be present with them and walk with them in their final years. And we, got, we had the opportunity to do that. It wasn't always easy, but it was a good thing for us to walk with them. And we were so glad to be with them. I remember um, sitting with mom and dad when it was, you know, I had to be there a lot and um, taking the appointments. And some, I remember once dad called and said, um, um, how are you doing? I said, fine. How are you doing? Oh, not so good. I said, oh, what's going on? I think your mother-in-law has to go to the hospital. Oh, okay, I'll be right over. You know, it's like pension for understatement, you know. <laughs> Um, and there was one time we were sitting together, and um, 
it was quite uncomfortable because we started to have to have some hard conversations about having somebody come in and stay with them 24 hours, and Mom was absolutely against that. Dad was more eager to do that. And um, I said, look, I know it's difficult. It's awkward for all of us, but we came here to help you. She said, yeah, but we've imposed on you so much. I said, Mom, it's not what it's about. It's interesting our parents still want to not impose on us, right? Um, but anyway, so mom died November 11th, and then um, my mother died on Easter Day, April 20th. She was 91. She had been in a care home for about six years in a, with a lovely Filipino family. And uh, what was wonderful is that these folks really loved mom as their own. Um, Maria, the primary caregiver, was with her. Um, and even though mom, she had, you know, she was incontinent, she couldn't uh, think much, she, she was, uh, had advanced stage uh, dementia. But she always, she had a presence of mind. So sometimes we'd be chatting with mom and then Maria would come in. She's very, oh, hello, Mrs. Kim. And mom would just do this. She'd go, she's like, be quiet. <laughs> you know, she could still, she had the presence of mind to do that. And we, we shared that at her memorial service. But, you know, fun stories about that. Being still sometimes means paying attention to what happens in life circumstances. Obviously, whenever a parent dies, you can't help but feel like an orphan. I don't know how many of you have lost parents already. But all of us will face it one day. So one day. I remember my dad, um, when I was, we married a year, we got married in 85, and 86, uh, my father passed away. And my first impression was, I feel like an orphan. I feel like I'm alone in the universe, you know? So for me, being still in this season of grief means to embrace grief. And in, in the Western church, I don't think we have uh, much of a theology of grief, of lament. But even in lament, we can be still. Even in lament, even in grief, we can hear God's voice saying, I am with you. I love you. I haven't left you. Be still and know that I am God. Because mom was uncommunicative for several uh, months running, I've been praying in mercy that God might prepare a home for her with him in heaven. Uh, you know, she couldn't communicate, so I didn't know that. Years ago, she made a commitment of faith. But um, my brother in March said, why don't you come? Because it looks like the end. So I came. And then my younger son, Jonathan, wanted to go and say goodbye to Grandma before she died. But he didn't want to go alone. So I came home to Minnesota and got back on a plane with him and went back again. And um, there's one occasion that her sister, uh, my Aunt Ruth, um, who had gone and taken her ukulele and sung to her on occasion, um, needed a ride to see Mom. So I said, on a whim, and I think this is the Lord prompting me, I said, Auntie, can I borrow your ukulele? Because I play too. So the three of us went, and we sang, You Are My Sunshine, Pearly Shells. And Mom was laughing. She smiled. She even teared up. So we knew that we were connecting with her at a very deep level. So um, then Sue and my other boy came. So four of us, every time we went, we'd sing to her. And it was wonderful. It was a great experience for us as a family. And I, uh, I'll never forget the last day before we left, we said, bye, Mom, and she was able to manage a little wave. So I'm grateful for that last memory of her. So Easter Day comes. We have our Easter Day service, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Central Time, I get a call from my, or text from my brother saying Mom had died. And so we knew it was coming, but it was still hard. How do you be still and know that he is God there because you're overwhelmed with grief. But then it occurred to me, and I went to the Gospel of Mark, and sure enough, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the Lord Jesus died on the cross on Good Friday. 
But it was Easter Day that mom died. So I thought, that's a sign. That next day, I told my younger son, Jonathan, I shared that with him. And he said, well, you know what? I had a dream about grandma last night. I said, what was the dream about? She said, I, he said, I saw grandma talking, laughing, and being funny. It was the best I'd seen her. So for me, I wondered, is that a picture of her with Jesus now? It might be. Or is it a, just a, a, an encouraging picture that the Lord gave us? I don't know. I'll have to wait to heaven for that. But in that grief, I simply had to pay attention to certain things, to be still. And there was God saying, I'm with you. I haven't left you. So um, what I want to do is I want to share with you a bit of our family um, um, my, my niece created this lovely video with, uh, it's a collage, and it's put to music, I'll remember you, she went through boxes and boxes of pictures, and she put together this collage, a collection of my mom. So I'd like to share it with you, because uh, it's, it's very near and dear to me, but just to kind of give you a sense of how God has met us in the midst of this. So would you play that, I'll remember you, the first one?
few weeks, my burden has been carrying the grief of the loss of my mom. And, um, but in the midst of that, God has been meeting me as I've tried to be still with it and tried to listen to what God might be teaching me, even through the grief. You know, at her memorial service, there were people, nurses that had worked with her years and years ago that came up and said, your mom was really wonderful, really sweet, you know, and it's like, Really? You're talking about the same lady? Because she was always a tyrant with me. And I was like, do you wash the clothes and wash the dishes? You know what I mean? It's very interesting. But I learned more about my mom from these different people. There was a surgeon that came uh, and to the reception line. He said, your mom, uh, she was a nurse by training. So your mom, she, he said, um, oversaw all the care of my patients after my surgeries with them at both St. Francis and Queen's Hospital. I never knew that about mom. Um, she retired once. And then she went to school. She got a master's in public health. And we actually went to school together. She was getting her master's while I was doing my undergraduate. So I'd be walking on campus with my mom and my friends say, who's that? Oh, it's my mom. <laughs> We'd have lunch together, you know. And, and there, was a, there was a window of time that we were able to enjoy each other. Um, this season has helped me um, in, in, in being still with the grief of remembering and savoring being grateful for the things mom gave me. Now, I want to speak to some of you. I, I talked to somebody today who said that um, there are some of us here who um, have grown up in a kind of maybe a kind of rigid, you know, disciplinary home and uh, the first generation kind of like, you know, that kind of thing and then kind of wanted to leave it behind. It's like, I don't want to, you know, the pendulum swings. I don't want to do that kind of thing. Um, so I want to speak to that for a moment. You know, um, when, uh, when, I left, when, I, when I left my home uh, in Hawaii, um, I really, I, I hated both my mother and father. And I'm not using that word indiscriminately. I really meant that. Because I felt my father was really um, weak, and I, I didn't want to be weak. And I saw a lot of the men in Hawaii being weak, and I didn't want any part of that. So I had to leave home, and as I left home, and as away from home, I began to appreciate the fact that my parents were better than I thought they were when I left. You know what I mean? And I remember being in the desert in Las Vegas. I was driving back from um, being out there, and the sun was setting. And the Lord came to me with my dad in particular, and he said, You know, son, your dad taught you compassion. He taught you that. And I, I stepped back, and I said, Well, you're right. You know? So it took me being away from home and learning from God's meeting me that my father really gave me some good things I need to be grateful for. Rather than being angry and embittered and, uh, you know, thinking only, only the worst about him, there were some good things that God gave me 
through my dad. The same thing with my mom. You know, there was one time when I was uh, in high school, I wrote a paper. You had to read these free association papers. And I remember asking my mom, I said, do you love me? Since we're on the topic of love here. I said, do you love me? And she, her, she looked perplexed. She said, I put food on, your ba- on the table, clothes on your back. Can you relate to this? I put you through school. And my response was, is that it? And with a deeply pained look, she said, isn't that enough? I was dissatisfied with that because I was looking for something else. But I remember how deeply that wounded her. But that was her language of love. That's how she understood loving me. And I didn't know how much she loved me through those things. My Auntie Ruth told me that when they were little, Aunt Mom was 13 and Auntie Ruth was about 8 at the time, or no, 4. And they had a younger uh, bro- a brother, Hide, who was a baby. Their mother worked at the Maui Pineapple Cannery about a mile away from their home. And every day, my mom would take Auntie Ruth in one hand and Hide in the other, and they'd walk the mile to the cannery so that their mother could nurse the baby and then walk home. I never knew that. This is my mom. And for me, I thought, oh, Lord, I'm sorry for thinking so poorly of this woman who's so generous. Auntie Ruth said that in high school, you know, they were very poor. But when Auntie Ruth wanted to go to her senior prom, my mother said, I will buy you your prom dress, your prom gown. And then in her senior year, mom did it again. And then when she graduated, they didn't have rentals at the time. Mom said, I'll buy your graduation gown. This is my mother. So when people say she's generous, there's a part of her I didn't know. But it took me hearing from others to discover that, you know. I want to say to you, I don't know what your relationships with your parents are. I just feel prompted to move in this direction. But your parents loved you the best they knew how wasn't perfect. I hated my dad because I thought he wasn't giving me the love I wanted. I didn't realize my father's father died when he was 17. And his dad was away from home. He's a medical doctor, a public health official. He's away from home. He, he had an absent dad. My uncle Art, who's 84, still to this day doesn't understand why his dad, knowing that he was going to be born, made an appointment to be in another country three weeks prior to his birth and left a few days before he was born. His, he never knew his father because his dad died in New York City of a heart attack. But that's the environment that my dad and uncle grew up in. My dad didn't know any better. He did the best he could with what he had and so on. So did your parents. Your parents loved you the best they could. So one of the things that all of us need to do in this notion of being still, we need to do the work of forgiving our parents by releasing the debt, saying, you did the best you could, and affirming that rather than holding, against, holding it against them. I don't know why, I just felt I needed to move in that direction to speak to that tonight. Because if, the, if you are just wanting to have nothing to do with your parents, you've got to realize there's some good things they gave you things we want to carry on and give to our kids if we have kids, and then there's things we want to leave behind, and that's fine. 
But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because there's some good things that even through imperfect parents, God gives us his love through. Be still and know that I am God, even with imperfect parents. Let's just take a moment with that and just kind of feel like maybe we've struck a nerve here. So let's just take some time to pray. I want to invite you to simply sit with this and however God's speaking to you, simply respond to him. Maybe it's just in silence. Maybe God has prompted you that maybe you've got to maybe write a letter. That's a beginning point. It's a letter maybe that's not going to be sent. Maybe it is going to be sent. Maybe it's to go and speak to your parent. Father, I don't know how you've been stirring in our hearts tonight, but it seems like you have been doing something. I want to ask for your healing grace to come upon us tonight. If there are parts of our hearts that are wounded from parents that hurt us, either consciously or unwittingly, I pray, Father, that you would help us to know your healing touch. Thank you for our parents. Thank you for your provision of parents who cared for us, not perfectly, but the best they knew how. Thank you for the lessons they taught us. How they provided a home, food, shelter, clothing. For any wisdom they imparted to us. And thank you, Lord, that you always invite us to let you speak into our hearts the ways that you want us to receive your love and healing grace, but also how to extend that same love 
And we remember, Lord, that you came to those very people who rejected you. We pray you remind us that even when we love, love may not be returned the way we want. But help us, we pray, in all that we've sung tonight and read and thought about, your great love that's shown when we are still sinners. You came and let your body be pierced for our transgressions. You sacrificed yourself upon the cross that we might receive your forgiveness and mercy. Because you've extended that to us, help us then to do the same to our parents and to those who've hurt us. Thank you that your arms are open wide to us. We bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to this word from Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. So Sabbath is stopping. Sabbath is resting. Sabbath is also expressing gratitude and thanksgiving, celebrating as God speaks to us. But it's being in the place where we can look for God's word and then to receive that rest that he slow longs to give us. So now what we're going to do is another time of dwelling in God's word. And I'm going to Increase now to three minutes of silence. You guys have done well. One, two, now three. And so what we're going to do is just take three minutes of silence, and then we're going to read from Psalm 91, a few verses. And I invite you again just to pay attention to what God's saying to you. Maybe a phrase or a word or even a whole verse comes off the page and really speaks to you. you know, savor that, reflect on it, and ask God, to bore that deep into you. And then we'll have a moment of silence and then I'll read the second half of Psalm 91.
But let's now start with three minutes of silence. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, 
nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. She will call upon me, and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her and honor her. With long life will I satisfy them, and show them my salvation. So for us, made and in Christ, remade in God's image, there remains a rest. In its essence, Rest is more than leisure or napping or time on our hands. God's rest for us involves freedom to trust, to live out his dream for us, to work, create, play, let go, and move on. The rest God offers is the freedom to be fully present in the moment, free to reflect and enjoy what has been, to let go of the deficits and regrets that wear us down, free to envision what will be, what we are being recreated for, free to unburden ourselves of regretful thoughts about our yesterdays and anxious thoughts about our tomorrows. And now, using the sins and sin against us formula, let's pray the prayer that our Lord Jesus left, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
As you heard in the reading, we've been doing a lot about rest and retreat, withdrawal. But tomorrow you go back into the workaday world after we're done here. One of the things that I've been learning from the Celtic saints is this rhythm, like the tide, of withdrawal and engagement. Like the tides. The tides come in and the tides go out. The word anakoreo is a Greek word for to withdraw. And the thing about the Celtic saints is they had the rhythm of withdrawal to retreat and prayer, but then they also then went back into the world driven by their time with God, by the love of God, to express his love to the waiting world. So it's not that we only retreat and that's all we do. Like the tides, we withdraw and then we go out. So that's an important thing for us to remember We pray, we sit in God's presence, we are still in knowing that he is God so that we can once again taste his goodness and love because it's then we're renewed to go back out into the world. Like we read about today, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Unless you abide in me and I abide in you, you cannot bear any fruit. That's the secret to a life that is fruitful for God in the world. It's a rhythm of withdrawal and engagement. So what I want to ask is, Teresa, are you in the house? If you could pass out, I'm going to give you um, something to take home with you. We'll start using it tonight. But then I'd like to encourage you to take it home. Um, St. Ignatius of Loyola was a saint in the 16th century. And... um, he had something called, he created something called the Ignatian Exercises. And one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about tonight is the prayer of examine. It's a simple, simple thing. But hopefully this gives you, gives you a little bit of a set of tools that you can use when you go home um, to, to reflect on, to help you in your life with God. Psalm 4.4 reads, In your anger do not sin. When you are in your beds, search your hearts and be silent. So before you go to bed at night, consider this classic spiritual practice called this prayer of examine. It's a prayerful reflection of your experience with Jesus over a specific time period. The goal is simple. Increased awareness and attentiveness to the presence of God in your daily life. So you walk through the events of the day. Imagine yourself watching your day on a fast-forwarded DVD with Jesus. Let him stop and pause the DVD at any part of the day so you might reflect on it. And you'll get this. I'm just reading off the sheet. There's two sides to it. So I'll just wait till we get passed out. I'm on the side with Psalm 4-4 at the very top.
on the very bottom, on the underlined section, <clears throat> read with me there. Notice those times when you were aware of God's presence, when you felt you were moving towards God. How did you feel when you were open and responsive to God's guidance? When you acknowledge that, just give thanks to God for those moments. And then on the other hand, notice the times that you were not aware of God's presence when you felt you were moving away from God. What was blocking that awareness? Pray for forgiveness or healing as appropriate for those times. And then end with prayer for grace to be more aware of God's presence for the next day. Close the time with a prayer of thanks for this time with God. Now flip the page, and for the next few moments, I'm going to read this, and then I'd like you to take some time to reflect on this, and then um, afterwards just share it with somebody next to you. So again, it's the introduction, but a little differently. God speaks to us sometimes through our deepest feelings and yearnings. That's part of the reason we did that mad, sad, glad, anxious exercise last night. Sometimes he speaks through our through what's called consolations and desolations. Consolations are the experiences that fill us with joy, life, energy, and peace. Desolations are those that drain us and feel like death. Consolations connect us with ourselves, with others, and God. Desolations disconnect us. These questions below are one simple way of discovering the day's consolation and desolation, that is, the interior movements of God through which he is speaking and leading. So we encourage you to use this tool each day, and I'm going to ask you to do some of this reflection now in a few moments. Perhaps before you go to bed and meet with others as part of a daily office or quiet time or Sabbath, or even on a holiday such as New Year's or Christmas. So you begin this way. Once again, with two or three minutes of silence, becoming aware of God's presence. Brother Lawrence, a monk of years past, centuries past, wrote a little booklet called Practicing the Presence of God. That's part of what we've been doing in the silence is practicing his presence. To stop, to be quiet, to let everything out of our minds and to try to attend to God. But these two questions can help when did I feel most alive this week? That's a little easier than um, trying to sometimes discern the presence of God. And when did I most feel life draining out of me? Another way of asking the question, question might be, for what moments this week am I most grateful? And for what moments this week am I least grateful? And you can end each prayer with grace to be more aware of God's presence and leadings. So I'd like you to do that just now. And think about this last week. When did you feel most alive? Or when were the moments for which you're most grateful? And they can be simple things. They don't have to be super elaborate, super spiritual. It's practicing thanksgiving, practicing the simplicity of remembering. And then for what moments... Are you least grateful or you felt life draining out of you? And just take a note. You might want to just write it. Uh, you might just want to keep this sheet clean or write it next to it. But just note it. And use that as a moment of reflection and prayer. However God might lead you as he moves you and re- 
and reflecting on those moments.
Let me draw us back together. Hear these words from Zephaniah. The Lord speaking to us. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Imagine that. God rejoicing over us with singing. He delights in us. Thank you, O Father, that we have this word to remind us of your great joy and delight in each of us. We're not perfect, but you know that already. And yet you love us. Thank you for this promise that you will no longer rebuke us, chastise us, but simply lavish your love upon us. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for how you've been speaking to us, working in us, through us. Continue, even throughout the watches of this night, to work in us, to recreate in us your life and your love. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.